Welcome to Radio Plasma, space dedicated to the exchange of ideas, conversations, stories, music, performances, and randomness. Listen at radioplasma.com. Also, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashi Vega, and I want to welcome back Erika Slocum. It's going to be a nice follow-up on a conversation that we started exactly a year ago. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we have to know what is going on with Black Holyoke and some other projects that are happening around this concept and this idea. Erika, welcome. Thank you for having me. Let's start with giving a little refresher about Black Holyoke. It's a project that you have been doing research for a year now. And I remember the first time we, we were talking about this, you were inviting people in the community to share stories and any memorabilia they had, physical items that could be documented and shared in order to compile more information for your research about the history of a black community in the valley. Yeah, so last year we did the collection day, which was a pretty good turnout. Uh, so with that, we were able to get some pictures, quite a few stories, and also just start to fill in gaps in the on our understanding of Holyoke history. And so I say we because I'm working with Wisteria Hearst, the Wisteria Hearst Museum here in Holyoke, through a grant through Mass Humanities. So it's been really exciting, pretty powerful stuff, because, again, for me, I don't know. I'm not from Holyoke. And so just being able to like find find out for myself that like black people have lived here for generations and have have and, and have had a really strong presence in the community for me meant a lot to me just as a black woman from the Pioneer Valley, specifically growing up in Springfield and just knowing that we had a community here that you know helped build and shape Holyoke the way it is now you know since the late 1700s and actually before but particularly you know in the late 1700s it's also another reason to celebrate these discoveries and recognize and honor all this history especially happening during February mm -hmm. Black History Month that I feel it brings even more reason and purpose for this research to continue. When you were here a year ago, you were sharing some of the findings that you were doing uh, at the beginning of your research and how much this motivated you to keep digging and looking for more. Mm -hmm. So after a year, what has been the most outstanding experiences that you've had during your research? I think really it's been connecting with the people in the community, right? So I've had the pleasure of going down to Bethlehem Baptist Church. And, you know, I went down, they have a soup kitchen on Thursdays. And so I've been, I've been there actually once, but I think just being there and being able to talk to the folks that, you know, again, have been here for generations, right? Like their family have been here and, you know, the church has been here. And so it's just like really like outstanding to not only, you know, like in the past, like when I was here last year, the majority of what, you know, I had been doing was looking in the archive and just trying to like from the archive document black people in, in this space to actually be able to physically, you know, touch and be in, you know, in the same space. 
as you know, folks from the community has been really nice. And I think there's something powerful about, you know, speaking to the elders who, you know, have such a, you know, long history and a long understanding of Holyoke, you know what I mean, from from their youth, whether they've migrated here or their families had started here to now, you know, and really having that like enriching conversations about life for black folks in Holyoke, which is a space that I think, again, like I said last year, is not usually and historically hasn't been, you know, linked to black people. And so I think to be able to make that connection for me personally has been really powerful, but I also just like, you know, seeing people's, you know, reaction to being able to tell their story and also like, you know, it's one thing for them to already have an understanding that this is important. And I think it's another thing to have someone come to them and say, like, this is really important. I want to hear your story. And not only do I want to hear it for me, you know, I want to document this, not only for the folks that are here now, but for generations to come, especially for, you know, young black kids who are growing up in Holyoke now, to be able to make that connection to their history, right, and to their lineage beyond their family, like their immediate family, you know, being able to realize that, you know, there is a community, one there is right right now, and while that community is smaller than it has been in the past, it's here, right, and also that there has been and there is a legacy of black people in this space doing like great things, you know, um, not only for the black community, but for the Holyoke community in, in general. And following on that, when you mentioned that it's not only for the black community, but the overall population in, in the city and the valley, it brings me to just a few days ago when we had an event in Holyoke celebrating the week of action in schools, Black Lives Matter at school. There was a keynote and a conversation with some teens from the school system to address Black Lives Matter. Thinking about the needs of making ethnic studies and black studies a mandated topic of education in the structure for the school system, and listening to the outcomes of your experiences during this year doing your research, now it makes me thinking about the contributions this research can provide for the school districts, for the school system overall, to include this information as part of a curriculum that will provide for black folks in the valley, but at the same time for the whole community to learn about that history, about that legacy, to honor it and make it more visible. Absolutely. Um, so I actually have the pleasure of doing a short workshop with some of the students, um, not students, but some of the teachers and educators that are doing the um, ethnic studies in Holyoke um, a few weeks ago. And I think the thing that was like, awesome is in that time like just presenting like here's what I've been doing here's how I've been going about that you know this process of like you know um, doing oral history right and so having people from the community tell their stories here's how I feel like it's relevant to the community and to education but also being able to get a little bit of feedback from those who are actually working in the school system you know what I mean in ethnic studies specifically 
And as I was talking to them, one of the things that I asked was for feedback on how this can be incorporated into a curriculum, right? Like at this point right now, I'm not at the point where, you know, we've collected some things or I've collected some things. Um, and I say we here, you know, have collected in the sense of we, the community, have collected and brought, you know, the community has brought things forward. But I think that um, thinking about the curriculum, for me, it's about connecting it to the history that already exists and kind of like where there are gaps, where the gaps have been closed, right? Where they've closed the history off to black people because the narrative has already been written, it's already been documented, um, where in, in a way, we don't exist in you know in this space to kind of like bust that open and say like so right here this is where black people are right and and in those moments so it's like the history that already exists is great you know what i mean it exists it's here some of it is not accurate right because so much is missing but it's like how do we put that in how do we how do we fill in those holes and also while we're filling in those holes make it relevant on in an educational um, space so that like students are learning about like we can't know the whole truth if we don't have the whole truth right so it's not full a full history if people are missing right and and those people, not just being black folks, but even thinking about like native history, right? And so it's like, you know, this land is native land. So we can't, we can't ignore that. We can't, you know, skip over that when we tell the history of this space, right? And so it's like, how do we do that in such a way that when we talk about ethnic studies, you know, we're not just talking about, you know, ethnic studies as it relates to the world and bringing it back to the space, but also thinking about ethnic studies as it relates to the space and then bringing it out to the world, right? And, and starting small, starting here and kind of expanding. And so my hope is that once we get to the point of, or once I get to the point of like compiling everything that we've collected, that we can sit down and we can say like, here's how we fit this into an already existing curriculum and or how do we also maybe go over here and say like it's important to yes incorporate it into this fuller picture of ethnic studies and also making a space to say well this is like the black studies right and this is like the history of that so not just Black people were here, but like, how did they get here, right? And so talking about slavery, because slavery existed in this space, right? Talking about migration, because we know the Great Migration happened. And so it's like, how do we talk about the factories here that were built in the industrialization of Holyoke without talking about black folks who migrated here to, you know, work in the factories, right? Um, or to work in the mills, you know, before the factories. And so it's like all of that is important. And then, you know, moving forward throughout history, looking at civil rights, like this isn't an enclave, right? Um, and it's not a bubble. Holyoke's not a, in a bubble. And so it's like the civil rights movement didn't happen around Holyoke and nothing happening here, right? And so it's like how do we include that and talk about that and, and put Holyoke in a space where it's like in relation to the larger narrative of black culture, of black studies, of black history, and of ethnic, you know, ethnic studies um, and ethnic history. So like I mentioned a little bit earlier, um, 
we were fortunate to get a grant through um, Mass Humanities this past fall. Um, so in December, actually. So in December, we were, we were awarded a grant to do the oral history project. Um, but prior to that, I think it was just one having the support of the, me having the support of the museum um, who have given me access to their archives, like un, you know, uninhibited, as well as being able to go to the library, to the Holyoke Room and the library, and be able to collect some, um, not, not fully extensively um, collect information from there. Like I haven't sat there for as many hours as I have at, at the museum. But being able to get there, but also being able to speak to the community and inform myself about the history um, so that we can fulfill you know, these larger kind of goals of not only being able to like dig the history up and record these stories, but make them available to the community. And so I think with the support, it's made it easier because this is by far a very difficult project to take on. And I say that not because it's not important, very much because it is important, and also because it's not like other things where the history is kind of just scattered in one space. It's like this, you know, I've talked to people from Virginia, as far as Virginia, mm-hmm. you know, as far south as Virginia, and as far west as like Nebraska, you know? And so it's like, there are folks who started here, right? And can remember being in this space that have moved, or that were placed here, you know, so just a quick aside, there was in Prince County, um, Virginia, when the desegregation of schools happened, because white folks in Virginia didn't want to integrate their schools, the county decided we're just shut down the schools, right? And so a lot of the white folks had their own kind of means of educating their children, but for the black folks, it was more difficult, right? And so what ends up happening is you have children, you know, as young as five and six, all the way up through high school, who were sent out to other places across the country so that they would be able to get receive an education. And this is in the 60s, you know. And so a lot of those kids ended up here in Holyoke. And so I think, like, that's important to note that Like, that's a thing that happened, right? But as far as the support goes, I think, um, one, you know, I was able to um, start a Facebook page. Intermittently, I post updates, and sometimes I just request, like, if anyone has any information. And, you know, there have been, like, an outpouring of support and also, like, folks wanting to tell their story. And so I think that that's been really helpful. And I've had a few phone conversations where we, could, we couldn't meet in person. And so it's just been really awesome to be able to say, like, one, it's not just me, you know, who wants to uncover this history or tell this history. It's also the community that's like, we need to do this, you know. And, and I'm not saying, you know, I think folks outside of the black community are you know, rooting for this to happen, but also the black community specifically is like, this is a thing, like documentaries have been done on Holyoke and in those documentaries, they've completely excluded, you know, black folks in this community. 
you know, books have been written mm. and the books have told the whole history of Holyoke, you know, mostly through a white lens and uh, the white gaze, but have completely eluded and excluded black folks, you know? And so it's like, this is a thing that the people in the community see. This is a thing that they know. This is a thing that they feel, right? And so I think that most important over, over all things, um, having the support of the community is most important to me. Like for the black folks to say, like, yes, this is a thing that I would love for you to do is so, for me, means so much more than even getting the grant from Mass Humanities. Like, that's important because it helps, you know, fund the project um, as far as being able to even just get boxes to put pictures and, you know, have space to place recordings of interviews. But I think that, again, like, the most important thing for me is being able to have the community say, like, it's okay for you to do this, you know what I mean? Like we want we want you to do this, you know? And to be able to have that kind of support is like most important. Um, and I've, I've been doing this, like you said, for the past year and at times I've been doing this without funding, you know what I mean? Because I feel that adamant about its importance, you know? I don't live here, right? I don't live in Holyoke. I'm a student at UMass, I live in Amherst, you know, right now, I'm from Springfield, you know, but I commute to Holyoke, you know, on a weekly basis, um, sometimes multiple times. Like right now I'm here Mondays and Fridays, and sometimes other days, you know, during the week as well, but because it's important to me, you know, and not to say like, oh, it's taking all of this sweat off my back and it's, you know, all of this labor, but it's like, I think that's like important to say like, that to, to let that be known, that it's not just, like this isn't just a hobby, this isn't just, you know, about some dissertation, like this is like really extremely important to me, you know, that, that we're able to tell, you know, black stories and bring life to black, like black life that exists, you know what I mean? And so when we say, like as you said earlier, when we talk about Black Lives Mattering, like how do we how do we say that without acknowledging that Black life exists, right? Um, especially in spaces like this, where you know it is predominantly white and Latino, you know, or Boricua, right? Because that's mostly <laughs> what we have in this community. And so it's like, how do we how do we say Black Lives Matter and not focus on Black life, right? Um, and like you pointed out, especially during Black History Month, you know when it's like the history has to be out there, you know. We have to, we have to dig it up. Or, and, and in most cases, it's not even digging it up. It's just like literally knocking on a door, or picking up a phone and calling, or going to, you know, the church, or announcing, "We need your stories. Like we want them." Not, you know what I mean? Like it's important. They're valuable, uh, and and getting those, you know, whatever the costs, you know. And because of this valuable content that you're having getting and experience it, now there are some other ideas that have emerged as part of this initiative. And one of them, as soon as I saw it, it made me so excited and, and, and I want to know about it, the comic strips. Okay. 
So I'm an artist, um, and one of my things, I'm, a, I'm an artist, but I'm also a visual learner, right? And I realize as an educator that people learn in different ways, right? And so more recently, I've had the, um, so in the, this past fall, I had the opportunity and the pleasure to work with a Native woman by the name of Sonia Adelaide, who is a professor in anthropology at UMass. And she, for her community, has been taking her research and turning them into comic books so that folks in the community can, it's accessible, right? Because I think that often what happens is you have these researchers who come to the community and say, I'm here to tell your stories, I'm here to gather the information. But then they go back to the ivory tower, which is, you know, the academy, and they write these like long, dense papers that don't connect to the, you know, populations of people, right? Like the the research isn't for the people that um, are in the community, but rather for the academy, right? And so I took Sonia's class, um, comics, cartooning, and communicating research, and like I said, like from well, I didn't say it, but from the beginning of this project, my thought was I want to paint the people of Holyoke, right? And so I started these, like, canvases that were kind of, like, abstract. And then I took this class, and it's like art-based research is a thing, right? Communicating this information in visual form, like, I would have loved to be able to learn history in that way, right? And so I started to kind of like sketch out ideas of like, oh, I can do like the collection day or, you know, kind of like going into the archives and what that looks like. I actually have started two. So one is kind of like the process of the research, which is the one that I've um, posted on our Facebook page. And the other is one that kind of starts to narrate the story of Bushman Fuller, um, who was one of the first documented black folks who lived in Holyoke and kind of like narrating his story in visual form, so in a comic book form. And so for me, it's like, if I can document this in a way that is one, visually pleasing, right? And the community agrees that this is, you know, that they're okay with the images, that I'm able to tell the story. Right now, like it's just my process of doing the research and like finding the history so that that would be available to the community like because kids can look at comic books and they can read it and you know the comic book is actually um very basic language um so that you know I always think about like my 10 year old him being able to pick it up and read it and understand what's there but also in the future going forward I want to be able as people are telling me their stories and I'm collecting the oral histories, I want to be able to make uh, a component that goes along that is visual that will be able to tell individual um, histories and make those available to the community. A beautiful and powerful way to incorporate the arts as, as a way to tell the story of black folks and to educate through Something that is, for some folks, just an entertainment piece, mm-hmm. but actually is an important component of pop art, pop culture. And in itself, it goes back to even prehistoric times. Mm-hmm. 
I will say the first paintings found in caves could be considered the first comic strips. Mm -hmm. So that in itself is another way to tell stories and utilize different levels of language mm -hmm. that, of course, includes the visual one, but the narrative between frames. Make this awareness about those gaps that mm -hmm. we need to fill, mm -hmm. sharing more information, digging for more information as well, and possibly inspiring more folks to create more ways that also have arts mm -hmm. included to tell the stories as well, you know, and, and start getting all different ways of expression based on your research. Absolutely. I think the thing that's like so important too is just thinking about like indigenous, indigenous ways of knowing, right? And so it's like there are things that are so intuitive to us, like art is, you know, you know, if you think about babies, you know, when they're when they're little, it's like the only things that they do or the things that are like prominent in, in what they do is they draw, right? They dance, right? And they sing before they can talk, before they can walk, before they can write. These are all things that they do. These are all forms of art, right? That are also their ways of learning and their ways of knowing. I think that for me, art is life, right? And so it's like, how do we, how do we consistently bring art into the space when we're talking about and thinking about and learning about our history, right? And even just thinking about art as a way in and of itself, apart from, from words, you know, or um, words in the way that I'm speaking them now, right? And that being like a really powerful tool to be able to um, narrate history, right? Um, and I think it's a thing that we've done for years, like even thinking about like African culture, right? It's like you have stories that are told with drums, you have stories that are told through dance, you have stories that are told, you know, through p pictures, right? And so it's like really keeping with that same energy that this is this is a traditional way of knowing that isn't Eurocentric, and that is more than okay. And it's extremely important when we're telling our stories that we are true <laughs> to the nature of our ways, our, our ways that have been, you know, passed down from our ancestors, right? That this is how we've always done it. And so, again, like not waiting for someone else to tell our story, but for us to tell our own stories, right? And so, while I think it's important for me to collect the history, um, one of the things that has been like really amazing to see is you know really watching other folks, you know, write short stories, and I, and I mean like elders in the community writing short stories about their experience here, right, or just having them be able to, in their own ways you know, collect their own history because it's a thing that, you know, we've been doing that I think every individual family has always done through pictures, you know, or videos or, you know, singing together or living together, just being, right, that we collect in different ways our stories and our history. And so it's like, for me, it's like, how do we take those things that already exist and just incorporate it, right? The, like making it part of the bigger narrative. So again, we can place these individuals, this history into the larger history. So definitely this is a work that 
it's going to take more time and more efforts. And it's good to know that it's being supported, that now it has this grant. So it's ensuring that the, the work will continue. Mm-hmm. And I feel so thankful that you are taking this this mission mm-hmm. in such a way that it's not only something that you are truly committed, but also it's inspiring and creating this awareness and others in the community about giving this value to the work you're doing. So how can people in the community get to know more about your work? You mentioned the Facebook page, but also in order to maybe help or or contribute with stories or networking or any ways to support your work. So first I would say absolutely follow the Facebook page. And so it's facebook.com forward slash Black Holyoke. So really simple. I would say follow the page and share it. Encourage other folks to share and join the page. Um, And also I would say, I would ask that right now my focus is on Black folks being able to tell their stories. And so that even goes for, you know, Latino folks who identify as Afro-Latino. Like we would love to be able to also have conversations about what that looks like as well. So we haven't set up, but we hope to um, set up a space, kind of like a drop-off where people can bring their um, photos or documents. But also I would say if people would, you know, send me a message or email, my email is eslocum at umass.edu. And so if people are interested in being interviewed and want to be interviewed, I would ask that people contact me so that we can do that. Right now we have volunteers who are helping with the interview process as well as the transcribing process. Um, As far as the interviews go, because we were trained in doing oral history specifically, because it's not just, um, I I think some folks don't understand that oral history telling um, or collecting oral histories is completely different than just doing an interview with someone about their life. And so we've had volunteers who've been trained in doing oral histories. And so those folks will be helping with the interview process. But I, I would say that we are always looking for people to help transcribe. So again, if you can get in contact with me um, at my email address, that would be great. Also, as far as like financial support, the museum is always taking donations. Um, I know that there's a space on the site for people to donate money. Um, if they want to do that, that would be awesome and helpful, absolutely or just stopping by the museum and bringing money if that's a thing that people feel compelled to do um, because it would just help further the project. Like I said, we have a grant um, and the grant will definitely help be able to buy some supplies and our grant goes until um, next fall. Um, But after that, I would love to be able to see this project continue. Like I said, I will continue doing what I can you know, with funding or without funding, although it would be nice to be funded, I'll continue to do my part. Um, But I would also like for other people to be able to, you know, continue to be able to collect histories, to continue to be able to, you know, store things. And I think what we don't know, I didn't know before I got to the archive is realizing that it takes a lot to properly store something Right. And so that's like thinking about climate control. That's thinking about how things are stored and what they're stored in just to preserve, you know, papers and photos or even just being able to um, 
um, store recordings of interviews. And so I think that anything helps. That is, manpower is, is, is going to come in, in handy as well. Um, we want to have an exhibit in September of the Black Holyoke Project, and so we'll be reaching out to people who've you know, contacted us that want to be volunteers. Then, too, um, just to be able to you know, kind of like help with that project. But um, I think that, yeah, if folks are willing to volunteer, um, please contact me. If folks are willing to donate money, um, that is always helpful and always appreciated and helpful. Um, but I also think that if there are black people in the community who want to tell their stories, I completely encourage you to contact me because while the scope of our grant is limited in as you know how how much we can do based on you know the financial aspect of it, that doesn't stop the history, right? And so I think that if people want to tell their stories, even if that doesn't even if that means it's going to take us a you know a little bit longer to be able to put everything together and archive it so that others can pull that information and that history out. I think that it's important and it's valuable for people to be able to tell their stories. Um, So please get in contact with me. Again, my email address is eslocum, and that's S-L-O-C-U-M-B, at umass.edu. This is Black Holyoke. History being written, compiled, researched, and shared. Such an inspiring project, and I'm so glad, Erica, to see that this work is ongoing and it's getting attention and you are having such a great experience learning and finding out so much history and so much content that is so vast and so meaningful for our society, not only in Holyoke, but the whole Pioneer Valley. Well, Erika, thank you so much for, for coming back to share this information. Congratulations on, thank you. on all the successes. And remember, this space is always open and available for you to continue sharing your work. And I hope that once some of the activities related to the comics or the exhibit are ready to, to happen, let us know so we can help you uh, communicate with the audience. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This is our conversation with Erika Slocum, scholar from UMass, uh, working with the Wisteria Hearst Museum on Black Holyoke, an extensive research about the history of black folk in the city of Holyoke, Massachusetts. This is a follow-up celebrating also during February Black History Month, so everything matches and aligns to be in the right time and the right place. With this, we conclude this session that has been recorded in the Gandhara Youth Development Center in Holyoke, Mass. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashi Vega. Thank you for listening.